Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to be. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Uh, hello and welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Uh, another edition of Mondays with Troy. Hey man, what's up? What up Christmas lights today? I'm pretty hyped. I and the guys, my grandfather was tired of it. He gave us his uh, Christmas tree. It's a fake one, but it's easy setup. Lights already on it. Those are the best. They're it's so convenient. So convenient. I miss the smell of a natural one, but it's worth not having to water it and needles everywhere and dealing with getting it in the house. We used to get the the natural trees, and then there was spiders everywhere this mm. one time, and we just we don't do that anymore. Never again. No, not at all. Never again. Well, and the weekend was interesting. I went and saw yesterday afternoon. From two to like four thirty, uh, Little Women at the Cloverdale Playhouse, and I felt very out of place. Now I went because Sarah Thornton, who directed it, who adapted the play from the book, yeah, you uh, had her on on the show recently. Yeah, so and I told her I would show up, and I the best time for me was that matinee showing, their last showing like yesterday at, at two. But when I walked in, I'm like, I am the only twenty something year old man here. There are a few older men with their wives. There are a few husbands with their wives and daughters. And there are a lot of moms with their daughters. So I went to the very back, back corner, and watched it. Uh, to be fair, it was a little dry, but it's a very compelling story for folks who don't know Little Women. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Um, so my hat is off to Sarah Thornton and to the actors who made it come alive. It was endearing. Um, and one of the guys... Uh, L- Lori is the guy's name, or they, he, the main character Joe would call him Teddy as well. It was a very cheeky. He was a cheeky fellow. Cheeky. So, yeah, and it kind of goes into the topic I want to discuss tonight, and we'll get to that more in depth in a second. But the idea that just because you have a long history together and you're very friendly, that sort of like friendship love, uh, it could be girls together, guys together, girls and boys, uh, it doesn't mean it's going to end up in a love affair, let alone a marriage. Right, and that sometimes you shouldn't ruin a good friendship just because uh, you want it. It's the obligation to now get married. That no, sometimes that person can love you, be supportive, without having to always put that pressure of the next step. So I, I thought that was a, it was a good piece. It was a good piece, and I'm working on a Christmas gift for you. I've actually got one here for you. Really? Yes, sir. Oh, we talked about. Shooter Jennings and Hierophant here in the last couple of weeks, so yeah. I got you the deluxe edition vinyl. Wow, this is um, this it, is epic. That's really cool artwork too. It's this is like the most fascinating artwork I've seen on a, a vinyl record, uh, other than maybe One Nation Under a Groove. Under a groove, and this is more uh, involved and complicated, like a nice sleeve that you can see through, like a keyhole, and because this album's so in influenced by like conspiracy theories that you get like the third eye and all the tarot sort of imagery and 
it's really cool. And it comes with a tarot card because they're like the the different roles you play in life. There's a, yeah. He mentions a book by Carol S. Pearson talking about the different roles that people inhabit as they go through life. And that card, I think it says Martyr. Yeah, five, the Martyr. Which is one of the roles in the book and in the story. Wow, this is so cool, dude. Like two individual... Okay, there's one sleeve that is CDs. Mm -hmm. So it's the CD version of the album along with unreleased stuff. I'm actually not sure if it's a CD version of the album. I think it might be that radio show that he did where he dug into all the conspiracy okay. theories and stuff that influenced the album. Yeah, Black Ribbons is Will of the Wisps, Stephen King, Hierophant. Okay, that's just saying who who this is and who put this album together. But And it's white vinyl? One of them is. The other one is uh, black vinyl. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you so much, man. You're welcome, man. Um, and I'm really in the Christmas spirit. Uh, again, this is the first time in like two, three years I've put up a Christmas tree. And as soon as we got it set up, I'm like, yeah, that feels right. Feels right. Did you do popcorn garland? No, we haven't messed with that yet. Yeah, that's a. Uh, see, the thing is, is you, you end up eating the popcorn rather than putting it on the garland, which is what popcorn is for. Yeah. The eating, not the garland. Right. Right. It, it, it's an important distinction. Now, do you like uh, candy corn, or do you prefer cheddar popcorn, or you know, like kettle corn, normal? It really depends. I, I like to mix it up. Oh. I like to get the sweet, the savory, the cheddar. So, if I got you like one of those barrels, you wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. No, <laughs> you wouldn't be overjoyed though either, based on that response. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to work on something for you. It's going to be difficult though. Because you're like a sphinx over there. I only answer in questions. <laughs> in riddles. <laughs> Most men would have kissed mine. <laughs> oh, well, thank you again. This is awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I was mentioning to you, have you ever been ghosted by somebody? Like, you know, we kind of lost touch. I'm not talking about you go to a different town and like, oh, all right, you just don't talk as much as you used to. Right. But uh, I mean, like, truly ghosted, or have you ghosted somebody? Could you define that? Where essentially you, out of nowhere, you stop communicating with somebody completely. Absolutely. Yeah, you've done that. Uh huh. Out of self-preservation, or that person just got way too annoying. Like me. It, it's. <laughs> It's happened more than once, and sometimes it's out of self-preservation. Like, look, I think it's best if we go no contact here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th I've, I've had a couple of women in my life that I've, we've ended up doing that because that, that was necessary for sanity. Oh, right. For my heart or their heart and just to be able to move on. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a couple crazy ones out there, too, that have been ghosted just for my self-preservation. See, but, and even a mutual agreement's one thing. Right. I think that's a great grown-up thing to do. It's right. Like we got to get rid of numbers and contact this because this isn't going to work. We don't need mm -hmm. the temptation. But I mean, like, out of the blue. Like, I'm trying to think if I've done that to somebody. Yeah, I've done it to one person mm -hmm. because they wouldn't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, wouldn't take mm -hmm. no for an answer. Uh, they also wouldn't take you need to get help for an answer. Ooh, yeah, that's an intense situation. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to go too much into that. It's, uh, it's interesting. I'm looking again. I've gone back to Joseph Campbell, and uh, he talks about the mythology of love, like the different understandings. And I mentioned 
the troubadours in the high middle ages doing the concept not of agape or uh, fraternity or uh, or eros like but true lust but amor, amor. Right. you know the eyes meeting with the heart it's not just sexual it's sort of this person pleases you but uh, one essay he gets into the five ways the hindus scale love the first is a servant to a master it's like you learn to love an authority you kind of fear and you see this a lot in politics in some religions um and he says usually it's bad for religion if it's not sort of a a dynamic animating religion that's really helping you through every course in life it's just a, the rules are the rules are the rules it can kind of leave you lacking same thing with politics the rules are the rules are the rules the ideology is what it is orthodoxy and that's he said the they the hindus at least put that on the bottom of the totem pole like the least important sort of love is a servant for a master um the second is friend to friend i think everybody understands that the third is parent to a child which uh, I only know from the child perspective, but it's profound. And I've talked right. about that a lot. Uh, the fourth is spouse to spouse, which is um, more difficult. Than I think a lot of people understand that difficulty. A lot of work. A lot of work. Um, well, and Campbell gets into, in his own marriage, how he's experienced, especially he's using the language of his Catholic upbringing, uh, where two become one. And when, where two are separate, you might find both in a marriage over the course of decades that, yeah, it might be for five years you've drifted apart and you're going through the motions and you know that it's not how it used to be, but it's still worth it. That it's this on, you take responsibility for somebody else's life and they hopefully take responsibility for yours. Mm -hmm. It really is uh, you finding your destiny along with another person, like they're tied up in your life story. I was like, that was interesting. But the last one is what he calls this total love. The overvaluing of the sheer love experience. It's compulsive, uncontrollable, illicit love where there is nothing but love and you are totally ripped out of yourself in relation to the world and God. You are the crazed one who's gone mad with love. And he talks about when you follow this sort of passion, society's help is gone. You must be very careful. You're completely on your own. I'm like, damn. Okay. I'm watching, after reading this, Love Actually. Mm. Our mutual favorite Christmas movie. Classic. And first off, I was surprised that there are a lot of people who can't stand that movie. Really? I'd found that on online. Yeah, there's a lot of folks out there who think it's too sappy or sanguine, it's too contrived or whatever. They find some way to nitpick it, and I think they just generally don't like uh, that director and writer who says he often writes his scripts listening to music. So All I Want for Christmas is You, he was literally listening to that as he's writing the script for Love Actually. And uh, Joni Mitchell plays big in that movie. Um, yeah, and, and and probably the saddest story in that movie. It really, and it goes back to this idea of a marriage that's lost its luster and then acting out of that sort of down place where it's, you're down and out. Mm -hmm. He looks for another, and it's... it's um. Okay, the first thing I saw watching this movie, especially with everything going on in the news, all the allegations, uh, 
is like most of these situations <laughs> might, in some people's eyes, be some sort of harassment or just creepy. Like if you if you take away the sweetness of the movie and how everything's framed, some of these situations are very terrible. Like the guy who is his best friend gets married and he's kept it to himself through the marriage, like all this stuff. And when her wedding tape, the bride's wedding tape gets lost or messed up, she wants to see his videotape because he had a camera the whole wedding. And it's just focused on her the whole time. And initially she's like, this is beautiful, but then she gets it. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh my, but you hate me. It's like, no, no it's self-preservation. <laughs> and, and I can't, okay, I can imagine in sort of a middle school way, like being in love with your best friend's girl. I've gone through that. And it's a terrible place to be because you feel awful for even going there. You don't want to ruin another type of love, a friendship. Right. You're, you're torn up inside. And you probably shouldn't act out on it because it will not work most of the time. And in the movie, he, because it's Christmas, comes to her door and has, like, it's the famous scene with the you cue cards. You know it's total love because he brings out the arts and crafts. Yeah. He gets crafty with it. If you go to Hobby Lobby, you really love somebody. Mm-hmm. There was no glitter on those cards, though. No, that would have been... I think there, there could have been another level there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He would have gotten more than a kiss. I think that was the end goal anyway. Yeah. But essentially, he says in a sweet way, without hope or agenda, I think you're perfect, and I love you. It's, it, that, that's a very over-the-top scenario mm-hmm. in the movie. And there are a few others, but it is that uh, relationship, the married couple. With, first off, seeing Alan Rickman. Like, ah, oh, he's dead. Right. That stinks. I was reminded all over again that Snape, Rickman's gone. Hans Gruber is no more. Speaking of another great Christmas movie, <laughs> Die Hard is spectacular. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Um, but yeah, essentially, this younger employee who's his secretary, very good-looking woman, like, it had no bones about it, is just coming on to her boss, who that's Alan Rickman in the movie. Mm-hmm. And like, overt, like, what, the mistletoe? Like, yeah, even... if. It- I have to be hit on the head with that kind of affection and attention before I know that that's Likewise. You know, somebody wants something like that. Likewise, and that I mean, even I saw that. I was like, oh yeah, definitely, yep. right? Uh, yeah, she uh, she wants it, and like she knows he's married, and it's like, okay, the story in the news these days, which is a true story. I'm not downplaying it. Of rich and powerful, privileged men in one way or another using their power with against employees to sort of lure them into bed and it's unseemly whatever goes the other way around too and that's the exact story you see um and i don't think he goes up i wonder how far he went they leave it ambiguous i yeah i i I chalk it up to what happens in that situation is emotional infidelity if you Mm -hmm. will yeah he's thinking about it so far that he buys this secretary a very nice gold necklace with a heart. The wife, played by I, the lovely and awesome Emma Thompson. Mm-hmm. She's so awesome. And Much Ado About Nothing that Brana produced. Yeah. She's so fine in that movie as Beatrice. Just her command of the language. She's hot. I mean, it's great. I will watch any Kenneth Brana film. Yeah. She even did a good job with Thor. 
He did, yeah. yeah he with really the original did. Thor, Thor number two. We're not going to talk about that. That wasn't Brana. That was somebody else. A bunch of studio meddling, really. Yeah, that, that wasn't good. But anyway, Emma Thompson, the wife, finds this gold necklace, thinking it's for her. Mm-hmm. Before Christmas Day, and then she looks under the tree, and it's a package about the same size as that gold necklace she found before Christmas. And when she opens it up on Christmas Day, it's not the gold necklace. It's a CD. It's a Joni Mitchell CD. And Joni Mitchell put you in a mood. Real sad mood. Yeah, the song is like, I really don't know love at all. Like, I've looked at love from every different angle. Um, and it, I, that's why, looking back, I was like, man, this movie takes you on a roller coaster ride of emotion. It isn't just sweet. Mm-hmm. And here's one thing I told you off air. I, man, I saw things that I didn't think of before. Like the uh, the sort of mousy office assistant, who's also, by the way, Rickman, it's one of his employees, he pulls her in and he's like, when are you going to ask out our enigmatic program or whatever, Carl? <laughs> She's like, does everybody know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Carl's like, I mean, he's, he's gorgeous. He's like a model, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And they're about to hook up after the Christmas party. Like, it's a boss encouraging two employees to get together. And, again, by today's standards, you're like, and what's in the news? No, no, no. But, come on. It's two years. Everybody knows you love this guy. Dude. Like, go for it. Mm-hmm. He was just giving her a talking to. Like, mm-hmm. you have my permission. Like, go ahead. Shoot or shoot. Shoot your shot. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot your shot. If the juice is worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. And instead of hooking up with him, she keeps answering the phone for, I guess, her... Her, her brother, who has special needs and is in a in-care facility somewhere. Yeah, and he, he really is having a hard time. And when I first watched the movie, I'm like, man, she's really just wasting her own life, and she's kind of stuck in a rut taking care of this kid. But as I watched it this time, I went, that is one of the most profound types of love there is. Mm-hmm. That she completely gives herself her life to taking care of her brother even though it means she's not going to have much of a love life herself. And it hit me watching it last night. Okay, that's incredibly powerful. That's what I love about the movie, too. I mean, granted that the name of the movie is a little on the nose regarding what it's about. It's about almost every facet of love, the different types of love, what love is. It's, It's... it's staggering. It's such a good movie. Well, and then there's, of course, the uh, Liam Neeson character with the little boy. Sam. It, Sam. And it's so, at first, so sad. Where it's like, okay. Liam Neeson is the stepdad. His wife dies. Sam's mom. She passes away. Ugh. Yeah, she goes out to carry out the coffin at the end of the funeral. I had her request to the Bay City Rollers Bye Bye Baby. Mm-hmm. And it is just this tough moment, and it was hitting me personally for obvious reasons. And for the little kid to look up and go, oh, I, you're in love? I thought it was something worse. It's in a later scene, and the kid's like, what's worse than the total agony of being in love? And it's this fifth type of love Joseph Campbell talks about, where you are just all consumed. Now, when you're a small child, it's adorable. Like, what are you going to do in fifth grade? Mm-hmm. But... I think we've all been there. Uh, Some call it puppy love. You might call it crushing on somebody. But where you're just, you can't think of anything else. 
your your world hinges completely on this one person for some reason. And what really hit me, though, is that this stepdad says to the Emma Thompson character, you know, I used to just let her, the mom, the biological mother, talk to her son. Now I, I'm his caretaker, his only guardian. And it's it's more serious being a stepdad than I thought. Oh, wow. Like, the, imagine the situation. Like, you marry somebody, they die, and you're looking after their child. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge responsibility. Like, you carry on their legacy by taking care of their kid. And so it just added another level to me. Again, as I get older, I'm starting to see more. And it added a whole other level to me of of beauty to that story. It isn't just a silly, fanciful story of a kid who wants to date the most talented singer and girl in school. It's a story, really, of a, a dad who's learning to become a dad along with his, through the eyes of his son's sort of puppy love. Who's channeling all these new experiences. Like, just remarkable storytelling. And there are a few others, like the... Well, you mentioned the... That what we would consider to be sexual harassment. There was Billy Bob Thornton's character as the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Hitting on the prime minister's, I don't want to call her a secretary, but she. Assistant. Yeah. yeah. Brings him like the daily news and like tea and biscuits and whatnot. And it makes him jealous because he's crushing on her too. Mm-hmm. And then Billy Bob Thornton just swoops in and. He's kind of a creep, actually. Yeah, he's super creepy. Yeah, he, he walks. They walk by her in the hallway, and he's like, "Look at the pipes on her." <laughs> <laughs> like, <That's>... what? <laughs> what? And yeah, it's it, it is amazing how dated that movie. It had to come out when we were seniors in high school or younger than that. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, ten years. Checks. Yeah. And the movie's already, I think, a little bit dated based on some standards people want. Yeah, pipes? What is that? Yeah. That's not been said in a long time. I'm not sure. I've also heard wheels. Like, okay. What are all these euphemisms? What are you really talking about? 2003, dude. We were in, like, eighth grade. Wow. Let's see. Fifth grade was turned to the year 2000. So we were in eighth or ninth grade. Wow. So a 14-year-old movie... It's a little dated. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that's already a 14-year-old movie. Yeah. Like, we're getting old. This is a big part of this show. I just talk out loud. I'm getting old. I was in the Christmas spirit. No. And now I'm just going to turn into no, but Scrooge. I think Scrooge. We're, we're aging gracefully. Yeah. We're talking about popcorn. We're talking about lighting trees. That's true. I mean, we're, we're getting all sappy over our rom-com. It's a wonderful rom com. It is a good rom com. These people that nitpick, I would oh. like. I would like to sit down and have a conversation with them. And also, this movie says there's nothing wrong with unabashed heterosexual men. Colin, Colin, Colin. <laughs> Essentially, this character, folks, he uh, he can't hit it off with any British bird. He can't hit it off with any lady. Bird is also just to clarify. Bird is very popular reference to women in the UK. Yes. And uh, so he says, the problem is I'm on the wrong continent. He's like, if, as soon as I step off into the United States, I'll be calling sex god. And he goes to Wisconsin. <laughs> Gets in a cab off the plane. It's certainly not the most 
not the state that you would think like that's got the most beautiful women right and uh but son of a gun he gets in the cab and he says take me to a bar it's like what any average american bar as soon as he walks in, it's like Eliza or Alicia D- uh, Dushku. Or? No, 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 no. Elisha Cuthbert. Cuthbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dushku's the other. No, she's not in the movie. She's not in the movie mm-hmm. at all. No, she's not in the movie. Yeah. But the Eliza, that's what that's what tripped That's you what up. threw me mm-hmm. off, yeah. See, I'm getting old. Mm. It, it, it happens. It happens. Anyway, he essentially meets like four gorgeous, like A-list models, actresses. That Stunning. Are, and they're completely taken with this silly accent, and they're like, "Say bottle." And you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to stay at a motel. You can stay with us, but we're very poor, and we only have, have one bed. We only have one bed, and and we don't like to sleep with our clothes on. I think is that okay? So like, yeah, I think that's just fine. And I love, I love this movie because it does go off into fantasy land over the top, mm-hmm. like when. Love can be that all-consuming thing, but it works out in the end. And of course, it, Colin Firth is the perfect example. He's character. my favorite. That that his story arc is my favorite, and the whole story because he begins where he's so in love with this girl, so much that he's saying it. She's like, "Get out of here, loser! Go go to this wedding." And he, after the wedding, before the reception, goes back home to see if she's okay because she's supposedly sick. Mm-hmm. And his brother is there. You know exactly what he's doing, too. Mm-hmm. So he breaks up with her, goes to his far-flung writing cabin. It's a beautiful place. In, I think it's Portugal because they were speaking Portuguese. But And uh, his, essentially, assistant who's waiting uh, on a him. housekeeper. Housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, she speaks Portuguese. He can't speak a lick of Portuguese. She can't speak any English. And they do a fun thing with the... Um, with the subtitles, where they're completely talking past one another, they have no clue what they're saying to one another, but they're always talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's touching, and he goes home, and they're both very much in love, but they have no way to communicate this to one another. And then he learns Portuguese, goes to find her, and when he finds her and asks her to marry him, she's learned English. It's like, oh, okay. It's, I've got... I'm, I'm heripolating. Yeah, that's a scientific word for goosebumps. We should be allowed to feel. You wish love was like that. I've had moments like that. Yeah, I mean, I serendipitous didn't. moments. Yeah. Right, exactly. I've also had moments like other characters in the story. The heartbreak. Yeah. No, that all-consuming love, you do, you start to become a bit of a fool. Like, And, and sometimes that foolishness is... Encouraged because in your head you're like, oh, I know she's going to see this. I know she's thinking of me and reaching out. And then that person texts you. And you're like, oh, yeah, they are reaching out. They are thinking of me. But probably not to the same extent. Right. And it's something I've struggled with in my life where it's always about this sort of all-encompassing amour that usually leads me to a pretty broken-hearted or at least disappointed where I would love to make that transition from a more to taking more responsibility. I think that's the key. And uh, I think this isn't necessarily an age thing. I think people can find that in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Maybe you find it in your 20s, but then it falls off in your 50s. I mean, it, it's 
a lot of people like to talk about how it's forever, but in some cases it's by no means forever. Well, and I comes to the record of the day. Um, and again, thank you so much for Black Ribbon. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm really excited to put that on. That should be uh, that's going to be a good time. And it's it, the B sides. There's outtakes, new material from yeah. this album. I'm, I'm excited for you. Okay, the album or the song of the day. Really, the record. Um, it's off uh, Fresh by Sly and the Family Stone. That's the album. But the last song on that album is K Sarah Sarah. And essentially that translates into whatever will be, will be. And I want to play a good chunk of this song. Uh, I know it's a talk station, but this song, when I heard it this morning, especially that we've been talking about the hero's journey, if you want to address tarot archetypes like in Black Ribbons, you can talk about the fool's journey, all the different stages of life. And this song is really uh, about that. It's about going through the different stages of life and whatever will be will be so after this break come back mondays with troy here on the joey clark radio hour and i know some of you last week didn't go and like the facebook page so go do it or i'll know and i won't be happy simple deductive reasoning come on folks we'll be right back Welcome back. 
You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, and yes, I do expect you to go like the Facebook page. And what does that mean? Just type in the Joey Clark Radio Hour and go like it, you bum. No, but you're amazing if you go like it. You're not a bum at all. Really, this, the, our whole opinion of you is continued upon liking the Facebook page. Yeah, how do you help me? I don't have any selfless love up here. <laughs> Get out of here with that nonsense. But, you know, this song brings back memories of us working at Daylight Donuts. Because this is where I connected with a guy and we knew, well, he called himself Shelby. Let's keep him as Shelby, uh, because it's not his real name. And uh, we really connected on the Sly and the Family Stone. But there's something weird about working, and I encourage people to do it at least once in your life for a little while, is the graveyard shift. Yeah, it's very strange. Where we would go in midnight to eight, and for a little while the store would remain open. Which was just a stupid idea on their part. Mm-hmm. But finally, it would just be midnight to eight. We're there making the donuts for the next day. It was nice. We kind of got the freewheel. Mm-hmm. Or, here's your pound. How many pounds you need to make? Go for it, gentlemen. But I haven't really been able to eat donuts until recently after doing that job. I'm still done with donuts. Yeah, after making especially the glaze. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never again. Right. Never again. But there was this one moment, because you were on a big Mars Volta kick. I still love the Mars Volta. They're still awesome. They they're, really are. They're a really strange band, and the only way I could classify their, their sound is like I do with a lot of dubstep or brostep. They're not that, by the way, but it's challenging music. It's really challenging. Like modern progressive rock, yeah. maybe? Prog, yeah, modern prog rock, prog rock yeah, but yeah. It's, it's challenging. There's a lot of dissonance. Sometimes there's horns. But in a weird way, it's, yeah, it's challenging. And so, initially, I hated them. Yeah, I can see, I can see how that would be. I met the challenge and went, I'm done! <laughs> Tapping out, throwing the towel. There's no beat to hold on to. I don't know where I'm going with yeah, this. Yeah, what is this? And then you learn to like it. Hmm? And I did learn to like it. You could grab onto one instrument or the other instrument. You kind of would have to find your... It's like climbing a rock wall. Like, okay, hold on to the bass for that few minutes. All exactly. right, hold on to the guitar or the synth or whatever they're throwing at you or the drums. Yeah, you really liked... I, I think there was a while there where your favorite song was Day of Baphomets. Yes. The crazy dissonant mm-hmm. horns with, with and one on the bass. Yeah. <laughs> I still like I still like Goliath, but there was that song that sounded the exact same except it was done in sort of a Dweezil Zappa fashion. It was um, slower. Right. It was rapid fire toll booth and it was yeah. just Omar. Yeah. What that yeah. guitar song oh, so good. What was the one about the bison? The one that was it. That, no, the bison it. is the album cover okay. on Rapid Fire Tollbooth, yeah. Okay. And so, at Daylight Donuts, we would occasionally be joined on the graveyard shift, and I'd imagine they were undocumented, but some Guatemalans. Really sweet people. Really? working. Yeah. Hard, worked harder than us. Didn't speak a lot of English. No. It was, a, it was difficult to communicate. So, because of that... We scared them. Yeah. Or, I, I suppose I scared them yes. by playing the Mars Volta. Because they would often, the Mars Volta would go into Spanish. Mm-hmm. And like, I swear the look these guys were giving you and me is like, El Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are these white boys doing? What are they listening to? 
Because <laughs> these folks seem like salt of the earth. They're trying to take care of their families. We'd often see the family come they would in. They bring their kids in, yeah. And, you know, you could tell they're they're really good people. And so they're listening to this prog rock with us from, I think the Volta is from Southern California or that part of the country, at least. Uh, based on it, there's Austin and Southern California. Okay. And, yeah. and Mexico. Yeah. So, I mean, they're caught up in sort of that lore from Mexico and Central Actually, America. Actually, the, the lead singer was a Scientologist. And yeah, all that explains his, a lot. His wife is one of the accusers of Hyde from that 70s show. She says that he raped her. Wow. And this is, he raped her. Like, this isn't, he grabbed my butt, he was said no, something inappropriate. Is, he yeah, this is, forced himself on. Right. And he, uh, apparently there's a bunch of women coming out against him. And there's like a whole conspiracy with the Church of Scientology working with the LAPD to cover this up. Mm. Yeah. I hear that's how that church works. It's, it's they've, money and power. And they've got a couple Wikipedia pages of these operations that they've done. That's truly scary. Yeah, I've, I heard that in Scientology, especially if somebody leaves the church mm -hmm. or they're bad-mouthing the Church of Scientology, it's completely ethical to say and do anything, even if it's a lie, the most underhanded behavior, mm -hmm. in order to save or defend the Church of Scientology. Mm -hmm. Crazy! They'll, they'll follow you around. Just... Scary it's stuff. Crazy stuff. And it's like, how are people falling for this? That guy who found at your church was like the most prolific fantasy writer ever. How are you falling for this? Anchor points, my man. Yeah. People look for uh, some way to make sense. And, and the way, what do they call it? Auditing? Where they, they, yeah. you sit in a room and somebody asks you about your past or your childhood and... I think some there's like an electrometer. They have up to a machine you. that tests this, basically pseudoscience of like a particle. It's it's just really odd. Well, and, and it makes sense from a psychological standpoint if you you suggest ideas to people. Oh wait, go back. What was that you said about your mother? And you sort of get the person, and people who are looking for answers will tend to make make answers up. They'll mm -hmm. go, oh yeah, I did think of this and oh maybe that is to a past life or like called thetans or i don't know it's yeah yeah it is a crazy religion mm -hmm. and you know i i'll put it this way i respect some religions more than others that's on the lower tier for me yeah it's um and folks might be tuning in and going well, there's an important election tomorrow. Why aren't you talking about it? Well, I went out to the mailboxes. I was looking for a package that contained something to hold my package. Got some underwear. Right. Yeah. My brother, that's what Will gave me for my birthday. Underwear. Yeah. A gift card to, I'm not going to give him a free plug, but an underwear website. Okay. And like uh, the micromodal fabric and okay. got this nice like polar bear winter print. I wanted some pizzazz when it comes to my undergarments, my drawers. And, uh, Gotta feel confident. And I went out to the, before I came into work, see if the package had come, and there was nothing there, but there was a postcard in my mailbox. Really? And the, you know, it, just a picture, and it's an American flag, and it says, Democrat Doug Jones is running for U.S. Senate. Election day is Tuesday, December 12th. I'm stalking like that because uh, it has exclamation points at the end of each one of these. And the last one is in all caps, VOTE! Like Frau Farbissina. <laughs> Vote! <laughs> like, all right, I'll goose step to the polling places. Then it has handwritten. That's a nice touch. So somebody actually took the time to write, this card 
is a friendly reminder. Well, I'm glad it's not something else, like a nagging reminder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't stand naggers. I say this reminder with malevolence in my heart. <laughs> I, yeah, it's like me getting people to go like my Facebook page. Go vote, you bum. <laughs> no, but this is a friendly reminder to make your plans to, I and mean, this is the problem with, uh, to vote on Tuesday. December 12th, and to ask you to vote for Doug Jones, Democrat, 4th U.S. Senate. As a red state Democrat, I volunteer in hopes of flipping the Senate in 2018 and ask Alabamans... Alabamans? Alabamians? I was looking for an I there, but there's there's no I there. Alabamans. Mm. Alabamans. Well, there's your first mistake there. Get it right! Ask Alabamans to take the lead. Doug has worked... For liberty and justice his whole life. Now elect him to work for Alabama. Again, another exclamation point where it's like, that was a long sentence and you end it with an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Really, it has the ups and downs. Yeah, it's, it's vote Doug Jones Democrat. Thank you. And it's signed JP. Wonder who JP is. Jurisprudence. <laughs> so, I know this was a friendly reminder and I... I'm not going to vote for Roy Moore. I'm not going to vote for Doug Jones. Well, you're um, not going to vote at all, are you? Yeah, I took a vow. So this is a, a friendly tearing up of the postcard. <laughs> Just friendly. I mean this in the, in the best. That's, that's actually that's a huge pet peeve of mine when someone says friendly reminder, and then they bring up something like I've, I've I've I read things obviously on the internet. There's this website called Reddit, and people like to have friendly reminders all the time, like. Mm-hmm. Friendly, friendly reminder, the United States government gave ISPs $40 billion to do so-and-so, and, so, and right. then they didn't. Right. Every time I see friendly reminder now, I immediately assume it's going to be bad news. Yeah, it's like, also, like, epic so-and-so destroy so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Someone eviscerated this terrible person. And when people say decimate, I don't think they realize that that means to one-tenth something. <laughs> Cut it down to a tenth of what it yeah, is. Yeah, like this army was decimated. Oh, they only lost a tenth of their force. Okay. Oh, that's not that's, bad. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean all things considered. Alexander the Great could overcome those odds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan Carlin does that. He'll say decimate, and I'm like, Dan, 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 Dan. Dan that's not what you... Who's editing this, Dan? <laughs> Him another guy. <laughs> it takes him like four months to come out with a new episode. Uh, no, it's a great, it's a great podcast, Hardcore History. <sighs> well, do you have any big Christmas plans? I'm going to spend it with my folks. Likewise, I'm spending it with the family. One thing I love about Christmas, and this is about my mom. Yeah. She, we don't do a lot of gifts under the tree. I'll say that. And we're perfectly okay with that because we have these massive stockings. Oh, these are huge. They're big enough to wear my cap, Toby, aka Mr. Nipples, <laughs> aka Bootyhole Jones. He'll crawl up in there and just take a nap. Wow. That's how big they are. My mom does the best job of getting stocking stuffers. They're crazy stockings. Last year, she named a star after me. A Whoa. star. You have a star named after I you? I got emotional reading it just because it's it, a star. Wait, you're telling me somewhere out there in this. Wide, mm-hmm. weird galaxy of ours. There's mm-hmm. a star named Troy. In this spinning milky disk of detritus and atoms and elements. You know, that's actually how you give meaning to entropy. You name it. 
Right. That's actually a big part of uh, Japanese culture. That's why in a lot of anime and manga or manga, I'm sure someone will correct me. Uh, I never get we that. We just right. lost that audience. I know. Uh, they'll name their weapons. There will be weapons, and they'll give it a name. And when you give it a name, it shows possession and ownership, and it gives meaning to things. Regardless, she gets the best stocking stuffers. It's incredible. Every year, she blows our minds with the thought and the care and the love and attention that she puts into these things. And it, I vow one day to come within a tenth of that amount of love that she puts into that. It's staggering. It's awesome. It, so I'm going to spend it with my family, and I'm going to love every moment. Because we have a small family. There's not, no. you know, there's not 40 people. I, I was talking to people about Thanksgiving. They were like, yeah, we had like 40 people over. And I'm like, oh my goodness. That's a lot. My social anxiety would be through the roof. <laughs> I would be in the corner, probably talking about the Mars Volta or something weird. Yeah. Maybe if it's small child runs, stick a foot out. Yeah. Regardless. You're going to be that type of uncle. It, well, I don't have any brothers or sisters, so <laughs> I'm not going to be an well, uncle. Well, you could be an honorary uncle. That would be... If I ever have a kid, you'd be Uncle Troy. You're going to make me emotional. I know. That that means a lot. That's true. We have these really... It, it's just going to be me, my mom, and my dad, and Mr. Nipples. <laughs> and we're just going to enjoy the, the day together. On Christmas Eve, we actually make a bunch of different types of Asian cuisine, and we snack out. We just watch TV, and we watch movies. And then Christmas Day, we just enjoy each other. And it's it's incredible. And there is something about Christmas, again, when we put up our tree uh, at the house. Again, two, three years since I've done that. It felt right. When I woke up this morning, I walked down my four steps from my room and saw the tree lit. I'm like, ah, oh, it is Christmas. Did you put a star on the top? Not yet. We gotta, you guys gotta, it's gotta be like a unique star. This is a, this is, it takes days. We don't try to do projects within a day. That's true. We're not lazy. We don't procrastinate. This is planned. I got a I got a link I need to show you by the way of this guy in New Jersey. It's a fake advertisement, but he he runs a Christmas warehouse and he's got, he talks about ornaments. He's got uh, the, the the nativity scene mm. and he's like, you got everybody. You got Santa on the John taking a dump. You got Goku in the nativity scene. Stormtrooper, Mister Potato Head. Oh, yeah, something unique and interesting to the tree. Which is how we got to the boat, by the way. Yes. And Are we going to talk about the boat tonight? We should talk about it next week. Yeah, too soon. But the uniqueness of something and how it just goes too far in one direction and you end up with a lot. Then you end up with nothing at all. Yeah. Well, my family and I were playing Dirty Santa once again. Where we each buy a $50, $40, $50 gift and it goes into a big pile on a table and then you... You know, number one goes. And there's always with my family, especially on my dad's side, but it's seeped into my mom's side because they haven't been doing Dirty Santa for as long, but they're learning to be competitive because out of the competition comes all sorts of hilarious moments. Mm -hmm. It's like, is that a six or a nine? No, I'm stealing this gift from you. I get the blanket. I get the blanket. Oh, there's Joey again giving people a $50 Amazon gift card. Joey, you can't take your own gift. 
The rules don't say that. <laughs> and then usually it gets taken from me. That's how I set it up. I take my own gift. Somebody steals it from me. There's a good laugh. Yeah, a $50 Amazon gift card is a nice gift. Yo, it's a great gift. You can get anything you want. But it isn't as... I don't want to get you like a $50 Amazon gift card. Because it's no... There's no heart there. Right. Just cold hard cash. To one of the world's widest markets. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, we're already out of show. It was a good show. I'm so glad we got to talk about love, actually. I'm Me so too. glad we got to evangelize the joy that is that movie. It's a spectacular movie. And folks, if you're... Oh, it's a rom-com. I don't want to be gay. Oh, get over yourself. Like I said last week, if I don't become a switch hitter, I'm going for a grand slam. Okay. Eat yourself. Okay. Who would be yours? Jason Momoa, the Aquaman? Oh, no, 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 no. Not no. too muscly for you? Eh, no. It's got to be, uh, it's going to be Kenneth Brana. <laughs> <laughs> going for brains! <laughs> oh, look at what fame and fortune and talent does for you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being here, Troy. No problem, man. I love this. Oh, me too. Be back tomorrow night. Election night. Joey Clark.